Hey, what's up, everybody? Another episode of Ready, Set, Go here. First of all, I want to appreciate everyone listening, tuning in, and all the haters. Y'all know what to do. Click the button, follow. It's going to be exciting. Our guest today is going to be Michael Cole, Super Bowl champion for the New York Giants. And he's been in the league for many, many years. Now he's transitioned out. We're going to talk to him about a couple things in the league, out of the league, and how is it transitioning outside into a different atmosphere. Let's hit it off. Mike, what's up, baby? What's up? What's up? What's, what's up, up, fellas? Man? Good? Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me, man. What's up, bro? What's happening? I'm an Eagles fan, so. I, I understand. No, yeah, no. I'm sorry for you. Go birds. But y'all got something <laughs> to comment, man. Y'all, 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 y'all took down the, the Patriots, right? Y'all, y'all became Super Bowl champions. Super Bowl champions when people didn't think you were going to do it, right? That's true. Yeah, That's Super Bowl champions when people didn't think y'all were going to do it Underdog, either, right? you're right. All right, now let's break bread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Sebastian, man? We going to um, start out, man. Um, how you got started in the football? Man. That's a that's a good that's a good man, but because I think about that a lot, you know, I feel so fortunate. Bless my father is a football coach. Uh, he played uh, was a first round draft choice in baseball. His father played in the Negro leagues, um, so I had athletic lineage there. My dad was a uh, was a coach, uh, so I've been watching football since I got out the womb. My two brothers played, so um, but so my mom was really intentional, not making sure that I didn't feel pressure you know, to play football, so she put me in everything. So- uh, What other sports? Everything, man. I, I did soccer, I did dance, I did- You did dance? Man, I did everything. I did gymnastics, I, baseball, you name it, I did it. That sounds like me, man. I started off the same way. I did swimming, wow. I did play, I played trumpet, violin, saxophone, everything. Everything. Sports, baseball, whatever, That then I found track. Well, and the Bahamas is limited. So yeah, <laughs> you either swimming or running. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> now I'm playing baseball and softball is really big in the Bahamas. Also, volleyball also too, basketball too. Is um, it? And that was exposure. And uh, I think, and I was just making this comment to guy the other day because I got to be around it. It made everything possible. Man, football, I got to see that, and I got to share that with my dad. So football was family, man, because that's how I met my closest friends. Uh, People coming from different situations that didn't have some opportunities, man. Some guys was with us and lived with us, all that kind of good stuff. So um, football was, that was my magnet. That's how I started playing. I, I started playing flag, I think it was about five. Wow. Flag, wow. You football. started early, early. Flag, yeah, flag and soccer. When did you start putting the pads on? I didn't put on the pads till I was about 10. 10, 11, somewhere in there. Okay, okay. I, I'm, I was expecting you were going to say six, six or seven already. So. Nah, we moved a lot because my dad was coaching. And so, now nah, they didn't even have, matter of fact, at that age, they didn't even have that. You had to be 10. You had to be like fourth grade. You had a 10 middle league, middle, middle, middle team. Yeah. So, obviously, your grandfather inspired you playing in the Negro League and everything. You give a little, little backstory on that as well? Like. Yeah, you know, this I mean, generation don't understand what it is to have a separate leagues. separate league. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. That was all just black people, and how was that? I think just you know connecting to a legacy, just understanding that uh, it was like a wow moment. And and growing up where my dad, you know, my parents they were do segregation schools, you know, and just our history was always taught throughout the family. So knowing that my grandfather passed when I was really young, I didn't get to know him. That was my connection to him. Everybody would talk about how good a baseball player he was. And then my dad, obviously. So for me to just be connected to something like that was, 
is a blessing to know that you, you're a part of that. Even though I don't get to know you, I got to kind of share your struggles in the way of making it through to something professional. That's dope. That's dope. Um, how many positions you end up playing once you got to high school? Because I know sometimes, what's your ending position now? You retired as a what? A corner. Corner. Yeah. So let's run us through how many positions you played in high school. Man. <laughs> to find out that you were a corner. My freshman year. Don't you say no kicker now. No, 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 no kicker, no kicker, no kicker. I didn't, I didn't have skills like that. Uh, I always was a receiver. Uh, I was a quarterback, actually. Quarterback? I was a quarterback. Uh, actually, I could throw. I was actually a quarterback. I didn't do all the running all the time. And uh, kind of whatever the, my team needed. We had a running back who went pro, so I didn't need to be the running back. But I, I played running back, receiver, outside linebacker, corner safety. Oh, you ran a gauntlet. Man, did it's, it's funny. I had a growth spurt probably my – Coming into high school, and then after that, I just start going long. I'm the tallest one in my family. My dad's like 5'10", and some change. My mom's 5'2". My brother's like 5'9". Other brother's like 5'11", maybe right there. And then I just kept going. So my body type went from a little stockier to just lanky. and just kept growing. So wow, that's, that, that's crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, what state? What state we in? We have any state championships Memphis. or anything? Yeah, actually track. No, track. Oh, right, four oh. by four. Right, four by four. Set the state record in, in Tennessee at my senior Tell senior them the time. Year. What's the state record? What time is it? 314-2. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, that's pretty fast. Everybody under 48. Yeah, they're Everybody yeah, under 48 or better. Yeah. <laughs> so when you ran track, that's that's what you did, the 400. The 400 okay. and the long jump. Yeah, I didn't long jump my senior year. Uh, shin splints bad, so, yeah. But that's track crazy. was big. Because yeah. usually, usually you find that wide receivers, DBs, they're usually sprinters. They're usually mm -hmm. the short. Maybe the 100, 200, but you was out there running the, the real event, the 400. And you know how I never wanted to do that? Uh, I'm an eighth grade meet, track meet, first time. Coach was like, man, I think you can run this. I'm like, man, I can't run the whole lap. Like, you know that? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, then you running the 100, you beating everybody. It's middle school, right? And I got, I got first or second. My first meet, I ran in eighth grade, I think 50, 55. My first time running okay. in my eighth grade. And so the next meet, it dropped every meet. And was, so I went to, went to high school. That was just kind of the plug in. I, I'm, I knew that's what it was. Who was the coach? What's his name? My coach in high school? Yeah, what's his name? Coach Guyman. You got to coach, shout Coach Guyman out. Co coach Guyman first. He saw, he saw something in you that you didn't see, right? You're right. So that's what I want to speak to in the development of finding coaches who can see other things. That a kid can't see because you was like, I don't want to do that. And then, look, you don't got a scholarship for it. Also, too, to show that your track skills was involved in your football skills and that helped you get all the way to the highest level in football. Yeah. Or I can imagine you running your first 400. You probably like, Coach, all right, where I start at? You're going to start right here. You're right. Coach, all right, so where am I going to finish at? You're going to finish right here. So you want me to go all the way around? So you probably get confidence each time you ran, because your time kept dropping each time you ran, right? Yeah, and then going to high school, I had a good coach, Coach Marshawn in Burley House. He was Santa Monica track. He, yeah, shout him out. Burley House, yeah. He, man, he was one of my biggest fans. And just learning how to really run, because you've never been taught how to run. I just ran, so, right? And so Burley came, uh, moved to Memphis, and he was the one who was kind of like, man, y'all could do this. And me, another running back. 
because we didn't know how fast we really were because you didn't have nobody really pushing. You really know how to really run. You just ran the 200, right? You didn't know, I didn't really know there was a strategy. No, but nobody told me that. So he was the first one to introduce, put that in my mind. I was like, wow. But you know, we played basketball, so we didn't come out there to like March and then track the championships in May. But he did a lot in that short of time, just mind, mindset. We go to meets, uh, USA meets and national meets, and we end up placing. We're like, man, if we did this all year, we'd be way better because we're just now getting into shape. Because you were playing other sports. We were playing other sports. So you had the endurance of a basketball player, but you were out there sprinting and running right. around the whole Dying. time. <laughs> Realizing it's two, it's two different in shapes. Basketball shape is different from track shape. And 400 meter shape. And the only way yeah. you get in 400 meter shape is running 400s. Yeah. yeah, so you got to, my, my first meet, usually I kind of flirt around with like a 49 and change in high school. I would come out of basketball and till I go down. Hopefully it's, it's starting to drop when it gets closer to the state. But you know, I still didn't really peak yet. Cause that's really, you go come out there like March, April in the States and in, in May, yeah. you get into May. Yeah. So. so do you, um, you've played so many sports in high school. Were you nervous when you started? Like the, the anticipation or the anxiety getting leading up to a race or a game, like were they different or were they all the same? Definitely, I think you had more nerves in track. I definitely had more nerves in track than I did in football. Because it was an individual thing? I always had it back in my mind that I know I didn't do this all the time, and I hate feeling like I wasn't prepared. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like one of that's those a things fair, where that's I, a I, that's I, a hate, <laughs> I don't like feeling like I'm prepared because maybe I'm not at my best, right? And that would play with my mind, so I had to psych myself up. Like I was one of those guys that I had to do I'm saying bodacious stuff, but I had to get my, my mind away from the doubt. So oh. track would, you know, these dudes, you know, guys breaking national records, you in the meet with them, like, man, this dude, that's all he does. That's crazy, man. That's so, so, so crazy. I'm like, dang. And you just coming straight out of a sport. So try, I had definitely more nerves, but I think that competitive energy takes over. Like, I don't like to get embarrassed. I don't care. I'm not coming in last. Tell you that. <laughs> yes. close, close the gate. You're more nervous about running a race and either dying in the race than you are getting hit in the football field or missing a buzzer beater shot in basketball. Because at the end of the day, you're like, man, I don't want to be out here getting dusted. Right. I don't want to lose. <laughs> I want this bear to jump on my back. <laughs> See, but, but it might placate to what he said, though. Like, when you lose, most coaches preach in, in team sports, we lose as a team. That's what they say. Mm -hmm. You know, when you lose in track, it's you. Yeah, <laughs> it's that? true. Ain't nobody to blame. Ain't no, ain't because, man, if he would have passed the ball right or if he wouldn't have missed that play, ain't none of that. It's you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it enters where there's two sports intertwined is the same thing in track. What you put into it, you get out of it. And everybody sees your outcomes. You can't hide from the outcomes. You can't hide from that nope. clock. Nope. nope. Right? You can't. Nope. So that's where I see the carryover track. And people are like, how does that carry over? Because that mentality, you have to have that. But in football, then you still have to have that same balance of humility. That's where it's that. In places, especially playing corner, right? You have to, you have to have that mentality. It's all on me because it literally is you, you. It's you and that guy, especially when you get to the professional level, right? So, but there has to be an act of humility and trust. 
because at the end of the day, your success is built on 10, 10 other people. So it is always an ego check. Your ego plays a big part of it or you never would have got to that level, right? You have to have some type of ego. Yeah. But in that, that team sport, that's where you got to check it. And it's sometimes hard for guys to find that balance. So you play in multiple sports and now we're going to segue into you really picking one sport and blossoming, going into football. Did you feel like that track, knowledge, speed carried over into football? And do you see that today watching football now from college athletes to professional athletes, are they dominating the field because of their track background? I would say absolutely. Um, when I say as an athlete, uh, you have to learn how to sprint. And I don't think people understand how much of a technique really running is. And it's not just running fast. It's learning how to manipulate your speeds, holding that gear and knowing how to read. It's a lot into it, right? So I said all that to say as an athlete, learning how to control that. That's when you know you're in that level, right? And I was fast, but I learned how to, I had to learn how to be faster on the football field, right? I had to learn what I applied in track, setting your hips, tapping into that posterior chain and exploding. Those tech, that technique applies at every sport, but how do you make it fit for yours? And it took me a while to develop that strength and know how to tap in to activate those things like you did in track because you know the feeling right that feeling tension on your your glutes and your hip flexors you know what that feels like but how do you create that in your sport and you can you just gotta figure that out and it takes some time you gotta really spend time on your craft mm-hmm. let's, let's take it back a little bit you got a scholarship right to go to right college. right did you get offers you had like a whole lot of offers I had a decent amount. My, you know, my first offer was from Hampton. Track, the track scholarship was my H-U. first. Yep. Okay, Hampton yeah. University. Yeah. All right, and you end up going where? You are a? Razorback. Razorback. Yeah. And yeah. shout out to the Razorback. <laughs> Big Suey. <laughs> <Big Sui. Yeah. laughs> Who was the track coach over there at, uh, at, at Arkansas when you were there? The sprint coach is uh, Lance Brahman was a sprint coach there. Oh, Lance. Shout out to Lance Brahman. Yeah, shout out to Coach Lance and Coach Mack. He retired. Uh, John McDonald, he retired there. He just retired uh, recently. It's been some years now. Um, I don't know when it, exactly it was, but yeah, he he hung on up all time. You know, oh, yeah, national yeah. championships up up and down there. Yeah, Arkansas there. is one of them schools. They got like you go when you go to the school, you just see them. Every, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how it wasn't recruited me. <laughs> they really rolled up to the house and was like, "Hey, we Arkansas," and they put like a box of rings yeah. on the table, and it was like, "You want to win?" Come over here. And that, they, was, that was their pitch. They just won That's indoor. It. It's so yeah. crazy. They just won indoor. <laughs> That's it. It's funny. When I came on my visit to Arkansas for football, I spent the day with track and a day with football, right? So my visit, Coach Booth, shout out to Coach Booth, man. He was actually at one of the meets, invitations I was at, and I first talking to them, Arkansas, and then they found out I was football. I was a big football guy and all that kind of stuff. But so when I took my visit there, I was at the basketball game. Hogs were playing. There's Nolan Richardson, all that it was, you know, it was nuts. So they and they walked me to the track office, and Coach Booth. That's exactly what he did. Walk into the office, boxes and rings. I mean, boom, 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 boom. And it was all opened up. And he basically said that. He said, "What? Yeah, <laughs> you want yeah. one of these? You want one of these? <laughs> you know where to come." But they were definitely, and it was a smart by the recruit. I mean, football. They definitely use track. I mean, you you got 
most of our recruits were from Texas. Most of those guys were track guys in high school. So you, they use the tracks allure to get most of these football guys who were also dual track guys to come, to come there. So at Arkansas, you played football and ran track at the same time? Yeah, I went time. out. Yep. Oh, that's good. That's good. I don't, I don't know if that's a lot. Of, is there a lot of that? Now? I don't see a lot of football players like competing at a high level on the NCAA who actually has football too in that level. I don't Not know. too many. You had a handful. I mean, when I was in college, we had Leonard Scott. Leonard Scott did the 100. Mm-hmm. He was also a wide receiver for uh, University of Tennessee at the same time. Xavier Carter. Xavier yeah. Carter. We had a Mod Carroll. Oh, yeah. Trendon. Trendon played in the league too. Trendon. We had a Mod Carroll. Batman ran at Arkansas at 100 meter first round draft pick corner. Uh, Eddie Jackson, Richard Smith. So, Arkansas, we did have guys. So, I wasn't really uh, an anomaly there because they used that. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. To bring those guys in. So we would come out um, at different times. Eddie and the model, obviously, and, and, and Richard was a triple jumper. Uh, they competed at a high, high level. So they went out there right right after. I would come out through the spring. And sometimes it was a lot of times it became a battle between when they was going to let us come out of there. Because they wanted us to be there at 5 a.m. And coach was like, why do you have 5 a.m.? They finna come out. It's not like they ain't finna work out. Yeah. <laughs> so not, like they just, we had there sitting there and it, it was always a tug of war sometimes with, with, with that. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's how it, that's how it goes sometimes when, when you trying to do both sports. Uh, I think they got a little tired of it though, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, from my side, when I was seeing it in Tennessee, they were getting a little tired of it too, just being able to have the dual sport athlete because they're going to want them on the football side 24-7. Yeah. And then they're going to want them over, over on the track side as well to be able to score the points for championships. So, yeah. And that's all I was. I was a point try to get her. <laughs> a you know what I mean? <laughs> I was a point try to get her. That's, that's two points right there. That's it. Two points cold. We, two point cold. <laughs> we had Tyson and Wallace. And oh, yeah, you yeah. Know. You talking about. You yeah, know, they, they yeah, you yeah, know. You got to, they, yeah, they, you they, run they, them they, horses. Then, you run them with horses. <laughs> and then eight hundred up, you know they Arkansas was just yeah they sweeping that they yeah. they they were at that time it was so initially back to Justin's original yeah. <laughs> question is that when initially made you yeah. play football because of Tyson and Wallace and the rest of them you're like yeah yeah I'm gonna go ahead and go on this way <laughs> you know <laughs> what it's, a, it's funny <laughs> I, I don't remember if it was my first practice or what coming out uh. I can't remember what day it was. We ran 300s, you know, it was all good. I was keeping up with everybody. And then I remember running 150s one day. So I'm on the outside lane right next to Tyson. And, you know, I, I, know, so I know he's fast and everything. So I'm like, you know, I'm gauging it. I'm, I'm getting out. So I know he was going to get out. So I'm getting out, trying to run. He probably don't even remember this story. Probably <laughs> coming off the curb because I knew he was going to hit it. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm good with it. I'm right here. I'm right here. Because I know I'm longer. So I know I'm going to open up. This is me. You know, as I'm thinking, okay, if I can stay in relation with him. So he hit, he took off, I took off. We coming around there, I said, okay, cool, cool, cool. But I had about two more gears, and I had nothing. <laughs> nothing. It just kept getting further and further away. I, like, I said, boy, this dude a different kind of fan, though. <laughs> yeah, you can't hang with Tyson when it comes to that top end, though. Nah, Man, it nah, was you... different. I ain't never, and we just running 150s. It wasn't even, and that was, I was like, wow. And then, you know, obviously, he is who he he, he was, but Tyson probably have only a, a few of track athletes in our sport. His his type of top end is a different, different. 
top end. If he's if he's in striking distance or if he's in the front of you at 30, it, he's a hard beat. You're not, you, you're going to have to 9 7 to beat him. You're going to have to 9 7 yeah. to beat him. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to have to 9 7 to beat him, but he, he definitely, his top end is, is, is definitely really good. It's, it's different. And, that, and that's what people don't understand too. Like, I used to get all the questions a lot, man, are you fast? I mean, this is relative. Because being in that environment, just being an SEC track, when you, you were running there at the top of your game, seeing Wallace, Xavier Carter, and, and Tyson, and so I'm, I'm getting to see these guys, and it's like, that's a, it's a different kind of speed. People that play football really don't, they never step, and I just had a little taste, you know, I even run all, the, all my years, just a little taste. That's a different kind of speed, man. That is a different kind of speed. So you can be fast, but are you really fast if you've seen what I got to see? Then, you know, guys like Justin and Wallace Spearman and could compete, and I'm like, bro, no. Right. <laughs> I'm faster than you, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I always separated with the football players. I said, I mean, they're quick, and, and track and field runners, they specialize in straight line speed. So your job in football is to get the – Top in in like five steps. You know, ours is more of a concentrated delay of trying to get to that top of speed, but still with the same type of violent veracity right. as your sport. Right. You know what I mean? So I saw I differentiated from fast, because you guys play in 10-yard increments. Right. We run 100. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so it's different. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, definitely. I, I learned that also when I had my little stint. It was like a lot of stop and go. Yeah. A lot of stop and go. Yeah. So it, it's... When you look at football now, right, mm -hmm. and now you're on the outside looking in, do you see people like Tyreek Hill and you'd be like, okay, I can see where he's helped changing the game because of his track background? Tyreek Hill is a freak. I mean, just to, and pretty just like what you said, this is a linear change of direction explosive sport. And a guy, you, I haven't really seen a track athlete that really carried that track speed over to football. Not saying that they didn't have the straight line speed, but Tyreek to be able to run as fast as he does and change directions at that speed, that's crazy. Yeah. Because you usually don't get a track guy that can run 9.9, nine, nine, sub, sub 10, 100 meters that can change direction because you're so linear here, usually tight in your hip flexors and it's harder for you to change direction. So the, what he's doing, the way he's doing it, to me, I'm, as a guy having some appreciation for track, I was like, bro, this is crazy. And, yeah. and he ain't no, slouch, no slouch either. I mean, no, he no. ran some really good times. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think Tyreek Hill is one of those guys who changes coaches' mind because the, the, the size thing is a thing, right? When you walk into a room, they see your height, and they're like, oh, yeah, what does he play? Like, when somebody like Tyreek's like, oh, yeah, I play receiver because he's small, they don't really look. But then you watch his gameplay, and he's like, okay, we want him. You know, because it's different, you know, because the, the size thing, it, it's, it's a thing for wide receivers. It's like, what, 6'2 or something like that? Yeah, most six of two, them. 6'2", 220. They're like... The great ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. That's what they're looking for. So mm -hmm. when you come in at Tyreek's size, short and stocky, and the, the, the eye test, he doesn't really pass the eye test for mm -hmm. most coaches. Mm -hmm. But then his gameplay changes the whole, forget 6'2", forget... <laughs> We want him. He's a, he's a moving open target. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. When you lack in one area, right, you have to be, you got to, you have to be something elite or special in other. That's just with that sport. You, you lack height. But some people, it's always funny when I, 
oh, he's 5'9". Oh, he ran 4'4". Four, four. Well, well, he's better. You know what I mean? Like, you, if you're lacking that stature, you, 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 you probably better be at least that fast. So, that's <laughs> so your message would be overcompensate in the areas where you don't pass the eye test. Yeah, <laughs> if yeah. you're not the height, Train for the 40. You, hey, you're <laughs> you change your direction, better be smooth. If, hey. if you're not, your, your, your shuttle better be immaculate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so moving forward, um, mm-hmm. college, successful career. What was it like getting ready for the draft? Man, it was, it was a dream. Uh, and let me say it off. Like, I graduated from Arkansas and I got to play my final year with my dad at Alabama State. He was a head coach there, and I got to spend that year playing with him, and that was awesome. Cause it got me a chance to connect with my dad in a way that I never have, because he didn't really get to see me play. Obviously, we live in one place, he living in, in another, doing the college thing. You know, coaches didn't make that kind of money like they do now, and my dad was one of the few black coaches in college football, especially at a what now we call Power Five school. So, him becoming the head coach and things went down in Arkansas, but nonetheless, I'm. I'm there. Uh, that was it. Was cool to play with my dad, man. Time that that one year, it was it was great for them several months. So didn't having to go through the process, knowing my dad, didn't he he got on with the Raiders, like right after the season, mm. my season. So we were going into the the league as rookies together. So that was really cool. So having that shared experience with my dad. So going through that process, it was it was living a dream. Man, there's 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 really a one and like a million chance that you and your dad goes to the NFL as rookies, but you got to play with your dad. I I I coached two high school kids and they won two state championships with their dad. And I tell them all the time, I said, bro, that's special. I couldn't imagine like, yeah, like I I wanted to play basketball with my brothers never happened because the age gap was too big but winning something with your father man that's that's, that's big that's special bro. that's really big for that's real. special I, I always wanted that but it never happened you know what I mean for me but yeah man that's great that's that was crazy. so that's the answer to your question man the process it was it was like that legacy thing I talked about oh, I yeah. talked about my grandfather my dad you know yeah. so that was it was dope so I'm training like- you feel like you went through that process carrying a lot of pride, a lot of honor for your family and the lineage. So you were dialed in. You were focused, especially on draft day, pro day. And you walk us through, like, the emotions that you had going through those processes. Because there's a lot of guys who are just dreaming of that day to happen for them. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Right. And a lot of them kind of take it for granted as well. And then they don't get the opportunity back. Right. Um... And just let me let people know how hard that is. Like the synopsis, most of the time you you have to have usually I think a fourth or fifth round grade or higher by most of the NFL teams to get even get invited. That's that's so very like oh why did he get invited why and that's kind of the you know teams send out their grades of kind of where they have great guys and the, you know the NFS they you know they uh, and this is to go to Indianapolis mm-hmm. okay say so people are like oh why this guy combine invites they you know those. You know, it's not just people getting snubbed. So that's, there's got to be genuine interest is what I'm saying. So when you get 100%. that invitation to the combine, so it, it does add to that pressure. And for me, uh, that was the first year in college football where you can graduate and transfer and not sit out. So me leaving Arkansas, being a two-time starter, 
Um, I was tied for the leader in interceptions at the one point in the SEC that year. Um, I didn't answer a lot of questions, so it was more about leaving Arkansas than really getting a focus on that, that combine day. And then coming from an HBCU, you know, it was a lot of questions about that. So the process of actually training and doing football stuff was really good. You know, um, got the consistent meat, uh, meals every day, all that kind of thing, because you didn't get that. And, and you got to understand, people, probably these kids now don't understand that you didn't always get fed like they do now. That didn't happen when we were <laughs> in school. some dogs back then, <laughs> yeah, <boy. man>. <laughs> <laughs> We get a meal? <laughs> Nowadays, where's my meal? Right. They talking talk about the hunger. He talking about literal hunger. Right. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm hungry for the sport. No, I'm just hungry. I'm just hungry. hungry. <laughs> I'm just hungry. <laughs> so I got the trade for the combine. I actually put on some more size. Like, you, you know, just because I got to eat and train and, you know, you got to do football every day. So that part was just, you got to see the change in your body. And mm -hmm. I think really learning how to be a pro and you, you probably can attest to that, just being able to leave away from college and being in that mindset around other professionals, learning how to eat, walk, talk like a champion, you know, how to prepare like one. Mentally, it's deeper than what got you here is not going to sustain you, right? With the old, I'd write your goals down, write stuff down so you can remember, like, you got to start structuring your life around the structure of what is in, within your sport. So you start learning those things, I think, training the process. So yeah. all that was, it was great for me. Mm. What's the, what the most memorable thing from your, because you went to Indianapolis, mm -hmm. and, I didn't write, and you had your own pro day. Right. What were the most memorable things, or the most memorable thing about both pro days? <laughs> Bad things, I, I pulled my peck doing the bench <laughs> in oh. Indy, and I pulled my hamstring running the 40 at Alabama State. Whoa. What? Yeah. Now, the 40 was before all the other drills or it was after it was on the tail end? The bench was the day before. So everybody has a sob story. So this is mine. Okay, so. <laughs> this is mine. I had to, I'm a left-handed starter. You know, with left hand down. And yeah, it, three, point, three point. Well, I popped this peck doing the bench the day before. So I'm swollen. I could barely lift my arm up above. So I can't really pump my arms like I want, what I want to. But at that time, I'm coming from an HBCU. What, what are you going to do? Not All these scouts aren't coming back to Alabama State to see me. That's just not how that works. However, people, that's just the reality of it. If, you, if you're at a school like Alabama where you have multiple prospects, obviously more people are going to come because you have multiple people. So I know that kind of added pressure to, like, you got to perform. You got to do what you got to do. So that was on my mind, like, man, I can't lift my arm up. What do I do? How am I going to run these drills? Because I, I always start with my left foot, bat left hand down, and I can't put weight on it. So I'm trying to move my hands, and I slip, bro. It was just all clumsy. Like, wow. it was just bad. Um, so did you switch up? Did I tried you put your right hand I, down? Yeah, I tried to put my right hand down. It just feels so awkward because I like to have my left foot back. You know what I mean? Oh, so you were like, leaning over. So, so I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. It was this. Imagine you couldn't even swing your arm all the way. I through. couldn't so really. You I chicken could. arming the whole way while you running, doing drills. Mm -hmm. did, did you feel that that hurt you any? It might have a little bit, but at the same time, it's kind of like what our sports, who cares? Mm. Just get it done. Next. <laughs> So if you don't perform, this is your time to perform against all for all thirty-two NFL teams, general managers, everybody's in the building. Yeah, what you, what are you, what are you do? gonna do? Yeah, you so what? 
Yeah, because sometimes showing them something different, like mental toughness. Could... And most of them probably don't even know that happened. Oh, wow. Because I walked off and I went to the train and they gave me an ice bag. And you can see, I still have it to this day. It's a big gap right there in, in my left pec. And, you know, I'll just ice it all day, pop some ibuprofen just to get the swelling down. And I knew I had to, I had to compete. So you, so you still have muscle that's not regenerated correctly. Right. <laughs> Through your whole, basically through your whole career then. <laughs> right. Because this is, this is when you're trying to get into the league. We're trying to get into the league. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, That's must crazy. have been a one-armed man, dude. <laughs> and we then- We got the INTs, though. We got the INTs, though. I, I, <laughs> I think it would have all worked out because I had private workouts set up after that. Like, I had teams like, hey, they want to come work me out at Alabama State privately. So it was like, oh, you know, I'll be fine by that. It's just- you know, I won't be doing any bench anymore. You know, I just, you just got to give that rest until it, you know, scars up. So I felt good about that. But so pro day came, I'm feeling good. I'm getting get all these. Well, it had a nice amount of scouts. There was probably 10, 11. So it was pretty good for just one, one guy, right? And um, 10, 11 teams there. So um, obviously my other teammates were there, but you know, the draftable guys. Uh, I come out weigh in, do the height, weight, measure speed and all that kind of thing. And then I go run the 40 and about the 30, I pull my hamstring in two spots. Wow. And I couldn't oh, do whoa. anything. So you, you, you at the line. Mm -hmm. This is not why you warm it up. This, you, you pull it while you are actually about to run. I'm actually in running when I pulled it. And usually the 40 is kind of like after the jump. Right. Mm -hmm. So I didn't do that. My, I was rooting my teammates on that were participating because I had a rest on everything else at the combine. So only thing I was going to do was the uh, forty, because Dang. I knew I was injured. Now I'm, I'm good. I'm good speed and training. I'm I'm feeling great. Feeling like oh, I'm I'm going here and blaze this out real quick because I know that I typically ran. I train. I was like in a mid to high four four threes, like four three seven, four three eight. Four, that that was kind of where I was consistently hitting. So I wasn't really worried about running, you know, if you can run, you can run. So I was like, all right, I'm going to put all this to bed. It's, it's all good. And had a great start. And I still ran 4-4, four, four, but I just pulled like this and I hopped and just. No, 4-4 four, four is still respectable. So <laughs> on grass, you know, Alabama State looks different than when I, when I was there. So, oh. you know, <laughs> we had that patchy, sandy grass, not really filled in. Now they got the field turf. So. Yeah, but that was that. Pro, but it was a moment, man. It was great, uh, honestly, to be at Alabama State that pro day because at HBCU, man, everybody's rooting for you. Your teammates, you just feel the love, the energy around the school. They came out. They were so proud. Everybody was just so proud that you was there. And we had Tavares Jackson get drafted the year before. Was actually my teammate at Arkansas before I uh, came to Alabama State. And um, that's one of the beautiful things about going to HBCU. They all root for you. So. That was great to share that and not feeling jealousy or animosity from the other teammates, knowing my dad was a coach and all that kind of thing. And just to be able to share that moment and know other guys get an opportunity to work out for scouts. So like I said, man, you, it, it was great. That moment, even though I got hurt, um, just to be able to do that, my dad watching me and all that kind of, it was, it's, it's cool though. Oh, that's good. good. Going through that process when you got drafted now, um, so you, you got drafted on draft day? Draft day, yeah. Draft day. Take us through that, man. Two rounds, two days back then. is only uh, first three rounds and then four through seven on the next day. So uh, 
I was with my with my brother. Me and my brother are super tight. My middle brother is super tight. Uh, my sisters came. My mom. Where's is that? This is actually here in Orlando. Oh, yeah, like, like a party, like a little. Yeah, just like a you know draft day groove, and you know, uh, didn't know where I would go. I know what they were saying before, but I like I said, I pulled my hands, so I couldn't do any of my uh, individual workouts with the teams. I had like six of them lined up and I couldn't do any because of the hamstring. Were you nervous the night before? I was. Hard, I, it was hard to sleep? It was hard to sleep because of the things that I just told you happened. I'm like, man, did I mess myself up? What, you know, I mean, dang. You know, I had a good senior bowl. I played in the senior bowl. You know, you did all the other things well. And then these last two things, you don't know was up in the air. So it was, it was hard. Um, feeling like you didn't get the chance to put your best foot forward, you know. Uh, but I still had a feeling I was going to get drafted. So uh, it was hard that first. I thought I would go probably at least by the end of the third. That's what most people was telling me, middle of the third. And I got a call in the third round that I was going to get drafted in the, the beginning of the fourth. That was the Packers called. And they had two picks coming in the next 12. The bottom of the third round, they called me. And that's where I thought. He was like, wake up early the next morning. Because you know that's the next day started early. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. uh, that's where I thought I was going, but evidently I did not. <laughs> <laughs> what round did you end up going in? Fifth. Fifth round. Fifth yeah. Round. And who drafted you initially? Indianapolis. What was that like? When you, did you get the call? Like how they put it on TV and they? Yeah, actually. That's how it that's, works. That's how it works. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. Hello? That's how it works. Hey, I have some kids that be like, man, it's stage. It's cap. It's cap. They ain't talking to nobody. I said, they talking to somebody. No, <laughs> to somebody. It is. It's real. That's how it goes. Uh, I remember actually Philly called me about 10 picks before. Philly, you should have went to Philly. They didn't pick me. Bro. Oh, man. You know what happened? They picked another corner. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but they picked another one. They called me and said that to stay by my phone, they were picking next. They were picking like in two picks or something. And I was like, oh, man. I took my, uh, one of my visits to the Eagles in the draft process. So it was Eagles, the Packers. I thought those were where I was, you know, those are the teams that I met with the most. So when they called and I was like, oh, because Green Bay didn't draft me. I was like, oh, y'all, it looks like it's be Philly. But they chose somebody else and then Indy ended up drafting me. So um, I said all that to say I had got the family hype the first time. You know what I mean? They, they thought, you know what I mean? I said, so when they didn't pick, when Philly didn't pick me, I just went upstairs to be by myself for a oh, second. Yeah. Word. The nerves was Damn. bad, man. For real, for <laughs> Philly not picking you? Philly, come on, man. It's the Lori. It don't even matter. My boy still got the chip, though. My boy still Ooh, got, got the chip. Too. That's all right. He got, he got one, too. He got one, too. Eventually. He got one. Eventually. There you go. But you got it. So but now, man, it's a blessing, though, getting drafted by anybody. That, 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 the process, that's how it was. They actually called my phone. I, I remember. I remember this. So the Chargers were next up on the clock. And uh, my phone rang. And I said, 317. It said Indianapolis. I had the little trio. Remember the little, little oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I remember so, that. So, so, so when you, you said it, it didn't register. Yeah. Then I had to go back in my yeah. head, like the trio, trio the little trio. <laughs> you know, that was a thing. You had the little. So I had that, and that pop, that popped up, and I was looking, thinking, Indianapolis. Why would they be calling me? They're not even up. It just, you know, just it was kind of that shock feeling. You always plan on what you was gonna do. Then when it happens, you I froze a little bit for yeah. a second. Uh huh. Um, and I picked it up and. Uh, they call, I can't even remember who, who it was and it's such and such of the Indianapolis Colts uh, we're about to draft you uh, our next pick and I looked and I looked down at the, the screen and saw your name 
Well, no, that Indy had the next pick. They called me like the pick before. So they had the next, the Chargers was coming on the clock. So I'm thinking, I didn't look ahead. So Indy was next and they picked me and everybody uh, started to shh when the phone was on because they, they heard me say it and then they heard me be quiet and, you know, I was just real quiet on the phone. Uh, it didn't hit me until after. Your dad uh, was there. Everybody was there. Everybody was that there. It had to have been great, man. I would be watching on TV and we see how, like, when people sit with their families at home and they get that call and the, the ball of emotion because you grind so long and, you know, you want to play on the highest level and then it happened for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that has to be a moment that you probably hold near and dear to you for the rest of your life. Absolutely, man. I mean, that was a dream come true. Probably yeah. way before you was even in college or high school, this is something that you probably thought about when you even thought about football was a possibility as a passion. Like, I want to be the best. I want to go to the Super Bowl. I want to mm-hmm. be part of the NFL. So that moment happened. It was surreal for you, right? One of so the best moments When did it ever. kick in for you? When it was like, oh, man, I'd have made it. <laughs> <laughs> man, I, heard, I had, like, delayed emotion. I'm one of them guys. I'm an emotional, passionate guy. So it's, sometimes it's delayed because I process it all. So even that day, they had champagne and I, they asked me to say something. But my boy, who I told you, my high school running back, he was in the league. He came. He flew in to support me. One of my best friends, Glenn, he's in the Air Force. He, he flew in to support, just to be there for me. So That's dope. that moment after it finally hit me, because I was there with my boy Chris the year before, and he didn't get drafted. That team called him. They didn't draft him, but they signed him a free agent. He made that 53 grand roster as an undrafted free agent. And to see his disappointment and him kind of coming there to celebrate me getting drafted, just for him to be there for me in that moment, man, was cool. It was cool. You said that you didn't have any jealous friends, and that right there, that's that's a good friend. He didn't get drafted, and the day that you were about to get drafted, he was there and watched you get drafted. He could have been like, I ain't going. But he came, man, but you spoke to that earlier. You went to a school that didn't have a lot of jealous teammates, so that's really good, man. Supported me, man. Uh, All-star game, I played it in college, all-star game, he came. That's how tight he came. So, anyway, to say, like, it hit me, man, passion and rush. Cause I said all that because I was looking at all the faces around me. Just everybody shared in that moment that joy, the support that we got. Parents understanding more of the sacrifice as you get older, what parents really did for you, right? And so that kind of just all hit you. It hit my brother first, worse. Everybody was looking for him. He was already crying. Oh, for real? I ain't never know where he was at. He had to get in the shower. Chuck? Chuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting emotional about I'm it. Get, next time I see Chuck, I'm going to get Chuck, boy. Hey, yeah. Hey, don't let him get Chuck. His old boy but cried. Yeah. Old, boy, <laughs> old boy cried. He cried when he mad, when he happy. <laughs> Bro, hey, having a daughter has really opened these emotions for me, man. Like reliving these moments, I, I, I have so much more passion for them around there now that experiencing having a child than I did, I guess, in the moment, mm-hmm. right? And so that time, you know, people don't always know your family circumstance or your dynamic or really what your family has gone through, mm-hmm. right? And right. I said, I was just saying this to my boy the other day, like us 80s babies, we have an awkward generation. We lived through the crack epidemic, how it obliterized, obliterated the black community. And having where most of us started, our father, grandmother, and how it affected everything around us. We lived through that. We were kids. So you, you still have that old school 
mentality with, with, with certain things, right? And I feel like we're the generation they're going to write books about later on because of all that, all that stuff that we were children that we kind of went through. You don't really circle back until later on and you're starting to look at it from a different point of view now that I'm a father and all that. So I said that to say I do connect with my emotions a lot differently now, especially having a daughter. You kind of have that, I know, that bird's eye view experience of what that those situations that you've been through are like. So I said that to say my brother, when it happened, people just don't know how much they pour into you. Yeah. Not just being there for you, but supporting you. Like, yo, like my brother used to call me, make sure he didn't finish school at first. So when I was going through, calling my door, hey, you did that book report? Like, yeah, he was he's, like, living, yeah. he's living through you. Yeah. yeah oh, my like, butt. Yeah. Like, like, even when I was getting recruited, my dad stayed out of it, right? Because he's like, you're a grown man. You got to make your own decisions. This is your life. You have to live with the decisions that you make. But my brother was there just to be a sounding board. Oh, and you know, I talk about schools, oh, they got this. And he was like, kind of rear my focus. You ain't going there for that. And this is your younger brother? This is my middle brother. Oh, uh, okay. I'm that baby boy. Oh, okay, okay. I got okay. two older so brothers. So he was brother daddy. Yeah. Me and my brother, he was like, you brother know. Brother and daddy, yeah. It's, 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 it's like that, man. That's so, good. yeah. So, anyway, that, that was my guy. So, he was always like that, checking on me. Like, if I needed anything in college, he, he came to my first game. My, and my cousin who played football, they came to my, came to my first start. Arkansas, my sophomore year. So, that's the kind of support I had from them. So, when I tell that story without the context, it sounds different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, I think to what you said about the 80s and thing, yeah, we had that. But I think uh, the space of us to really express ourselves mentally, that, that didn't exist for us. Everything was sucking up. You had to hold your emotion. You couldn't show emotion. Like, it wasn't, we don't have that safe space, especially in our community. So that's probably why a lot of us are so hardened in certain ways or so stubborn in certain ways because that's how we grew up and that's what we know. You know what I mean? So now when you at the space where a grown man, you could afford that space because you created that space to kind of let it out. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be a reason why, you know, he went to the bathroom. He should have been able to cry right in front of you guys. Right. And, and it'd be okay. But where from that era, right. that's not okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's not okay. So uh, just to speak to the little mental health part of it. So, but I'm glad you're in that space, man, um, um, and your daughter afforded you that. But th my dad tell me, as we get older, we, we won't be able to control our tears because we didn't cry a lot. Not Justin. Justin cries a lot. Mm. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> the only, time, the only time you ever see me cry is at championships. <laughs> at championships. This is true. This is, this is, this is true. This is true. Nobody knows that, that sacrifice, man. And just like I said with your, your family and all that stuff that goes on, people don't understand the sacrifice. And people invest in you mentally and emotionally, spiritually. Like, you know, you grew up old school. I grew up, my grandmother, my mother's side, you know, she's Southern Baptist, man. Mississippi, Belzona, Mississippi, you know, mm. traditional. Like, you, we going to church every day. <laughs> Not all the time. Every, every day, day. <laughs> like yeah. yeah, and you're gonna do something. So that that's that was kind of my foundation. But with... you you also realize that it's not even the fact that your family has poured into you, but even when you go into situations, you carry that 
ride with mm-hmm. you. You know what I mean? And it may not come out emotional in the beginning, but when the dust settles, that emotion comes to the top because you didn't put your blood, sweat, and tears out there. And in situations where you would be cool with him, like, I'm cool being right here. You push forward through that darkness, through that blurriness to say, okay, I want to do this for my mom. I want to do this for my dad. For my I remember- I remember when mm-hmm. winning the winning the Olympic gold medal in 2004 and I didn't realize how me just looking at the camera and saying shouts out to Pensacola and Bluntstown Florida they heard it they they had a parade for me in Bluntstown Florida Bluntstown Florida is a is a you you drive you're going through it you're going through it just like that <laughs> but the fact that I did that it gave so much pride not only for my family and my grandfather who grew up there and my grandmother who grew up there but the fact that the whole city was just able to say, man, the world has recognized us, mm. you know? So to carry that with me, I understand where you're coming from and I understand where your brother's coming from because that means a lot because it's a moment sometimes you're never able to get back, you know? Yeah, and to speak on there's a piggyback that just re- reminded me of one of my most memorable moments in football. So my rookie year, I told you me and my dad were in together. So... Oddly enough, we played against each other my rookie year. My dad was coaching the Raiders, and I was playing with the Colts. Coach had just won the Super Bowl the year before. I'm playing for Coach Dungey. I mean, it just it was just great. Great guy, uh, Dungey. Shout out. Yeah, oh, <laughs> big time. I mean, Jim Caldwell. I mean, Frank Wright, who's actually now the head coach of Carolina. I mean, just great, great men, man. Just great men, uh, not only as uh, professionals, but just men who you want to emulate after. But that moment uh, playing against my dad was really cool, and my mom's parents actually came to that game. It was actually the day before my birthday. So it was December 16th. We played out there. So one of the days I'll never forget. My grandfather, he was born in 1919, and my uh, grandmother was there. That's that's Who, cool. my dad's mother, uh, growing up, where she moved out to probably the concrete floors. My mom grew up, their house was two bedrooms, 11 kids. That's why me always so I get emotional thinking about that and leaving through some of those experiences. Yeah. I'm blessed every day. Yeah. 100%. Hold up. Did you, you talk trash to your dad before oh, the you game? Oh, <laughs> you know I did. You know I did. We come so you guys y'all. won the game. So it, we did win the game. And we bet we came, we clinched the playoffs. That was my first time real having a cigar. They was handing out cigars because we was the AFC, uh, clinched the AFC, home field advantage, all that. Yeah. So your hold on, man. It's your first time having a cigar. Did you did you smoke the cigar like the first time you had me smoke a cigar? Because <laughs> he had. This, remember the story I told you about me smoking a cigar for the first time? To, it was him. He okay. had me smoking a cigar out there, getting high from a cigar. I didn't know it you was his smoke? first time. Yeah, man. I didn't know. You got to tell. You gotta I, yeah, tell I, I was like, oh, you want to get a cigar? He was like, yeah, yeah. So I didn't know he didn't have cigar experience. Yeah, yeah. So when we yeah. Listen, I know what it is. I remember, because the aesthetic of smoking a cigar looks cool. Yeah. But you don't understand, like, you have to know how to smoke a cigar, so I get it. Listen, man, I was, we was out there chilling. <laughs> yeah. We, would ha- we was out there at night underneath the Orlando Eye, <laughs> sipping on some yak, smoking on some cigars. Yeah. I'm, I'm killing it, man. I'm, I had a cigar about this long, killed about halfway. By the time we went to go eat dinner, to sit down. You woozy. I wasn't even woozy, boy. I, I was sitting down. All of a sudden, I started floating up off the seat. <laughs> uh, and we sitting in like the little, the little sectionals, right? So I was like, hey, man, y'all yeah. got to get out the way. I got to go outside. Yeah. I got so high, man. But Did you, when you woke up the next morning, how'd your throat feel? 
Man, I don't even remember, man. I, I probably was still high. Anybody who have a sore throat, they, they, they yeah. inhale it. You can't, you know, <laughs> you don't do that with a cigar. So, all right. Yeah. You won, you celebrated, had your first cigar, man. Yeah. Had moments with your family, your lineage, your ancestors. Yeah. People who have paved the way for you, right? Mm-hmm. What was that going on from the Colts to the next team? Like, what, was, it, what does it feel like to be able to say, okay, I got a... I got traded or I got to go, go for another team. Like, but we see it all the time. We see it on TV. Such and such has traded the other team or such and such has been dropped or he's moved to the other team. Like, what does that do for you mentally and emotionally? You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of football players and a lot of athletes, period, we have a certain air and ego about us. Like, man, I know I'm the shit. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, y'all don't recognize it, but I recognize it. Yeah. Um, oh, how, how did it happen? We watch on TV where most of those guys get traded and they're looking at it just like we looking at it. <laughs> like, I, got, I got traded. Right. I got you. <laughs> right. There was a little bit of that too. Um, I got injury waves. So that's how I left the Colts. I, I just couldn't stay healthy, man, after my rookie year. I had back-to-back surgeries. Wow. Um, never got hurt before. They never had surgery. I got hurt in a playoff game against the Chargers as a rookie. And Man, we had so many talented. I mean, uh, Bob Sanders won a defensive player of the year that year. Antoine Bethea, a great player. Um, Kelvin Hayden, Martin Jack, man, we were deep. And obviously the coach on that run where they've won his 10 straight years with 11 wins or more or something or seven or whatever Coach Dungy's record was at that point. Sorry, I don't remember, Coach. Um, and Marvin Harrison, like the GOAT. You know, this is the high-flying coach at that time. So, um Getting injured there, um, it is mentally, it tests your mentally fortitude for real. It really does. Because um, I get hurt, injured, you start doubting yourself like, man, can I stay? Why am I getting hurt? I had a lot of salt. I tore my groin. Um, getting a pick, came down, tore meniscus off the bone. Nobody touched me, nothing. Um, just went up there, came down, done. Shoulder landed on, hit, hit a guy, uh, Michael Turner came down, landed on my shoulder, done. So it wasn't like, it was just crazy. And that just wears on you. I think, I think as far as an athlete, when you get hurt, you expect injuries when you play our sport. So it's not something that's out of the norm. You expect it. You, you know how to do it. You know how to come. You got to train even harder, twice as harder, push yourself twice as harder. Um, but the mental aspect is our contract's ain't guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So, and people don't realize we don't get we get paid one seventeenth of your salary. You don't get paid all year. It's not how it works. You get paid when you play. You play the game. You get paid, right? So you got to be good with your money. And it's not we weren't getting paid like the guys are now. Like the my rookie year is like two eighty. So it was good money, but now it's almost triple that. There's the minimum. Wow. Um, but. You had to be really good steward. So it's, you're always, I would say, uneasy. You know, you are that, but you have to understand your place in the league. You're in drafting the first two rounds. There's more vested monetarily in those guys, like a business. Mm. So they're going to get more cracks at the apple. They make more money. They give them more guaranteed money. That's how it works. So regardless of how you feel about yourself or how much you showed it in practice, you have to understand too that this is a business. We gave this guy $3 million. He's going to play. play. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So you got to get in where you fit in. You better learn how to do multiple things. Show yourself worthy. And when you get your opportunity, just be ready. 
uh, that that so mentally when you go to another team and it didn't draft you, you're even less of um in their plans. You're a bonus. Hey, if it works out, great. If it doesn't, oh well, we didn't draft him. It's not on our neck, right? We didn't sign up to just put our names on this guy. Yeah. He was cheap. He's injured. We had him maybe ranked high in our our as a you know free agents because they have pro scouts to do the free agent pool. So we he he fits our build. We bring him in, and so you're still in that place where you don't know if you, you know, make it in this on this team. Yeah, so healed up. Next stop was Giants. Yep. How was that transition for you? Because so that team was a special team, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the team that went on to win the Super Bowl. Right. With so, the catch on the helmet. Yeah, that's so that was before I got there. I got there in 2009, so two years removed. But like you were saying, they they won the Super Bowl two years prior, mm. and um, it's New York, and like you know, you seen like everything. Eli, man, it's so like you said, what it, what would playing in New York would be like. So um, even just finding my footing there, and because I was still hurt, I didn't know I had practice squad eligibility. It, cha- it changes all the time. But since I didn't play the year before, I had they put me on practice squad. And that was humbling because you don't get your money. You get a portion of it. Like, it's different. You sign, like, a different contract. Wow. Right. So it's almost like, man, you feel like you're better than some of the guys they got. You're always going to feel like that, right? That's your, you're yeah. like, what? Man, you serious right now? But they don't have nothing invested in you. It's a, it's a bit, if I can get you for cheaper and I can stockpile you, I can hide you, they're going to do it. And it's, a, it's just smart business. But, I mean, that's just another mental hurdle. Had a, had a, you had to earn it, especially playing for Tom Coughlin. So you had a, the consistency of your, your level of play is what they demand up there. So that was humble, humbling in itself. <laughs> to like being hurt, almost starting over like, yo, this is it, bro. You've been hurt back to back years. Like you want to, you got to get it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so going from Indy mm-hmm. to New York, City-wise, big difference? Huge difference. You and loved it? Which one you love? Which one you, you... I know you come from more of a small-town environment, mm. but how was the big city living in New York? I love New York. Loved it. Everything about it. And just at that, I just felt like it was a place you could be yourself. Young Whatever Mike. yourself was, it didn't matter. Young Mike had a good time. Young Mike had a fantastic time. <laughs> 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 but initially, I was... So focused on feeling better about making it in, making the team, like just, and then when I did, when I was there for a couple of years and basically the same team from that last Super Bowl, then we fortunate enough to win another one. But just being in that environment, man, is great. Winning there, I couldn't imagine, it's the best city in the world to win a championship. How, how was that and the city when you won? Because you just said it, you was like, yeah, man, even winning there was beneficial. When you guys won that day and then they do the parade. Yeah. Like, What's that all between them couple of days? What's that like? Is it like a blur of craziness or what is it? Emotional highs and lows. I'm going to say low, but it's just these epic. It's just like it was surreal. Um, you need time to process to digest it. I think when you finally got a rings months later, it hit another wave. Hit me. But in that time, like a Fetty falling, you just... You always had, you built up this expectation of what it was supposed to feel like and be like. And I don't know if it ever can do it justice. Uh, but it's like, wow. You just, you're in a state of shock. 
I was. And then the parade, couldn't believe it, man. I didn't dream big enough for that. We, 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 we ride down the avenue, what is the Avenue of the Heroes, where they didn't, you know, after the war. Yeah. That's what they, that, that parade route, we wow. doing that. And they, man, the city of New York is on fire that early in the morning. They throwing out confetti shredded paper and we on the float, you know, dancing, not sober. Uh, <laughs> and this is early in the morning. This is early in the morning. Early in the morning. <laughs> Hold on, did, y- did y'all start celebrating drinking the night before? Or y'all got up early in the morning before the parade and was popping. That bottles? whole runs together. Oh, I don't okay. know. I don't remember where the night ended <laughs> and the morning really began. <laughs> you hit that yeah. side. Days were just running into each other. You'd be like, "It's two o'clock." Yeah, it's two o'clock. Okay, I'm gonna go out get some lunch. You'd be like, "No, two a.m." Am I? That's about time you, we got back to the room anyway, around that time, because, you know, Super Bowl, we, you know, by the time you, everything, it was, your drilling is such at a high, you can't go to sleep. You're just like, so, I mean, you might as well just keep drink, drinking. Let's, let's rewind just a little bit. You were a part of one of the most watched events in the history of sports, Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. What was that like? What was like? The night before the Super Bowl and then leading up going into the Super Bowl. Because a lot of people, we, we'll never understand it. As right. us viewers watching, we just see y'all getting ready for like, it's just another game. Y'all out there, Jets fly over, National Anthem. That's what we get to see. But mm-hmm. you see it from a different perspective. Yeah. I, you know, I think relating to you guys in, in track, is, I think it was it's very similar. Um, that's why a rookie's asked me, what, what's the advice you give somebody? Get in a routine early as possible. That's your routine, everything that you do. And having a head coach who's so regimented and routine-oriented, it helps you block out the noise, helps you block out everything because it's routine. Like how you start every track meet, every block, every time, every practice, that routine's the same. So no matter the, the event, no matter what you're doing, you, you, you set the same. You get in your box the same. So same process is the same. So the bigger the stage, it don't matter. So it was just another game and the result was to win. Mm-hmm. And I think the confidence, you remember when I was telling you that the one time the, that the difference between football, that part is you have to, imp, that humility has to enter that team environment. Mm-hmm. And feeling that is probably the, the most memorable feeling ever. Because it's not really that winning that game that what did, it was that feeling because you can't fake it. When you got a group of men who are humble, mm-hmm. it's an energy that it exudes throughout the building because it's a confidence that you already know what the outcome is. Like, there's yeah. no doubt. It's, it's way different than winning when I won a track meet or it, it was crazy, man. It's crazy to actually feel that energy of dudes. It's, when we went on that run, it was on fire. Um, I got banged up, but you felt, you felt it. So it can't, you can't even describe it. So I think that's what it, the Super Bowl more means to me is just the ride more than that, just that game. The process is more rewarding. People see that outcome. Obviously, that's the outcome that you train for. But the process, when you all process when you win, nobody knows that grind. Nobody, you can't duplicate that. And then to finally achieve it is like the expectation was, you, 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 you know, daggone right I did that. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, that is... Tell us what you into now, man. Yeah, so now, man, I'm I'm scouting. Um, I'm who? Carolina. 
Carolina who? Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, Carolina Panthers. Uh, it's a dream. This is what I wanted to do, actually. I didn't want to coach. Kind of feel like I lived that lifestyle already um, from being a coach's kid, experiencing how I experienced it. Uh, and being on the personnel side is, is way more fun for me, more, more intricate building a team and learning that process. You have a very unique perspective on your role now because your life kind of tailored all the way to the point. So you kind of know exactly what to tell our high school kids, our college kids, what to look for collegially mm -hmm. and also on the next level because you work for Panthers. Mm -hmm. you know I mean, you want to uh, devolve some of that into our youth of, of what you look for uh, as a pro scout and what you went through or what the schools look for when you were going through into college? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a wide range, but I think tangibly for a lot of these kids is the discipline now, man. The tangible is important. And um, when I go into schools, we ask more about a guy's football character, like just basically how they are the day-to-day, -day. like a track in union track practice, like are they on time when they practice? If he has a hamstring or a groin, is he going to, is he going to, Wrap it. Is he going to go to treatment? Is he going to be there on time? Is he going to do those little things so he can run or he, can he produce? Because the tape is the tape. Like the times are the times, right? But we want to know, are we going to get that guy? So those are the, that's the hard part to really finding that out. So when those, those kids, and I, I, I hear coaches and I see it um, on social media, you have to allow these kids to fail because they have to learn how to build up that grit. You can't manufacture it. You can't protect them. Because if you don't have it, you'll never be a champion. Because you will not be able to duplicate the process, that kind of standard, day in and day out. It's not just at the meets or it's not just at the games or it's not just in the playoff. That kind of standard has to happen on a daily basis. It has to be inside you. It has to be there. So you have to, the only way you get that is if you fail. You have to get punched in the mouth. So if football is great, instant consequences. You messed up, you're going to feel it. <laughs> <laughs> study harder, see it faster, learn, you know? So it's a great teacher for life. So for those kids, coaches, really, parents, allow them to fail. But you have a, and, I, and, and I'm speaking to myself as well, and having kids too now growing up a little bit more fortunate than, than I did, you know, their starting point. But as a guy, as a, as a father, I have to steward you and your gift. I have to allow you to fail. You have to find out what you want. I can't give it to you, but the skill of learning how to fish is bigger than, you know, me just stocking the pond for you. Now you can fish forever. But so I think that's my biggest thing because I, I see so many guys, I'm saying all that because when I go to college campuses and see guys nowadays, especially they don't have it. It's like, man, I'm just looking at it sometimes like this guy ain't going to last. He got talent, but he ain't going to last because he don't have it. He ain't been hitting the mouth enough. He ain't been countered. He hasn't blocked something and then got hit in the stomach and uppercut it. You got to, man. You got you to fall on your face because you got to know how to get back up. You have to learn that process. And that's what I see that's not happening so much with our youth. And it's killing it because they think they don't understand the business of sport. There's no guaranteed contracts. So you got no degree, you'll be out. Two years is the, the, the average with no degree, half the money which you start. You can't live like that. How are you going to survive now? How are you going to take care of a family? But they don't, they're not getting that education. Mm -hmm. But I think if we got that process of 
like how we had in learning how to catch a bus, learning how to, before phones and cell phones, learning how to figure out a lot of the times these kids don't have that pivot mentality. Oh, I don't got no ride. I'm going to catch a bus. I'm going to catch a bus. The, the hustle. hustle of life. Man, it's just dead at the, the first, first, first point of trouble. It's so over. Uh, you can't get to practice. Yeah, I just ain't going to go. That's, that's where it stops. I mean, it, but it's like I get exactly what you're saying because you're growing up, it's 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 kind of embedded in everything that we've done. I mean, everything now is just so instantaneous. You know, you know what I mean? Like, kids want to watch cartoons. Guess what? They can pick up a tablet and watch cartoons right now. Right. You want to watch an episode? You can watch the episode five times. Remember how it was growing up for us? We had to wait till Saturday, Saturday. to <laughs> watch a show. <laughs> and if you missed it, guess what? You missed it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Ain't no, it ain't, ain't no coming YouTube. back home. <laughs> we had to borrow another person's VCR, the VHS, hook it back up so we can we could tape it. You had to the VCS. In we my had case, it. you had to have a VCR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my homeboy used to bring unplug his, so we try to find one of the Yeah. So one more thing yeah. I want you to hit on before mm -hmm. we uh, wrap up. I wanted you to talk about, because... For me, mm -hmm. it was an experience to retire mm -hmm. and then transition from sports world, which I did all my adult life, into a regular world scenario. And that's kind of where we met at. You right. know what I mean? Like, and I, I saw how you was operating and maneuvering and how things, you know, how you had to hustle and how things became frustrated for you and you had to make your own lane. And you saw me go through it as well. Mm -hmm. So, like... For the audience that's listening, like, especially from a football side and from a, just a professional athlete side, what was like that transition for you? It was tough. Very tough. Um, now looking back, just because as you, you know yourself as an athlete this whole time, but the world has changed. And now you're trying to get in the know. When I got done playing sports, I was 30 or 31. I played a year in Canada. So um, playing in the CFL, that was great. You not even knowing you really, you're rediscovering yourself, your interests, the things you want to do, what you want to sacrifice for. And, you know, that's what you think about as an athlete. What, I'm, what am I willing to give up right before I start? And the things you want to mention, now you want a family. And now you're trying to think about the money I made, but you're taking like a 98, 99% pay cut yeah. <laughs> to start over. Uh, and I wasn't out there wilding, but still you're used to like, uh, you know. I go buy these shoes. Ain't no big deal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But now it's just a little different. Like, okay, what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy a house because I want to have a wife. Okay, I got you start thinking like that. And how I'm going to provide for eventually I want kids. So, you know, your mind goes to that. I haven't even met wife yet. But now you're trying to, but at the same time, like, who am I? What I like to do in my free time. Yeah. And I think that was hard. It's like, hey, can I just take a corporate job and grind it out? And I thought I could do it because I had so many other interests other than football. But when they meet you, oh, you play football. Yeah, man, but I did other things. I was always doing other things, things right. right? And now I can give my attention to other uh, aspects of life that I want to kind of focus on, other passions, and I was excited about it. But then you understand that some of those passions don't pay the bills like right now, right? Mm. And the corporate said, and I had to realize that one for me, you, you – Sports is way more regimented and strict than corporate life. And I think corporate people think that they are, they, if that's their barometer, they wouldn't last too long. Because <laughs> you're used to being like 15 minutes early to everything. You're not used to people, oh, I'll get back to you. You know, I had to learn how to change a different decorum in a corporate setting. I was, I'm, what do you mean you get back to me? I don't understand why it's not, why, why, why it's not done. 
you know, those kind of expectations of what you mean, you know? And yeah. so you had to learn that you're just rediscovering yourself, man. And at the end of the day, scouting is something I always want to do. And I was trying to get in, trying to get my foot in the door um, because that was a passion point for me. And that's something I knew that I could sacrifice for something I knew I could grow and develop and uh, provide for my family boy. And that's what it's about. I believe God allowed me to live my dreams as a player, man. And now it's helping others live their dreams, connecting um, with other athletes to help our community to achieve those dreams, man. I want, want my kids and my wife to live their dreams. That's my goal now. I'm to provide a life to enable them to do that because I've been more than blessed to see what we all talked about, our parents and our upbringing, how they sacrificed for me to live mine. So that's the legacy. I feel like I'm passing down that piece. I want to say, man, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I thank mean, you, thank you. You have really uh, given us insight from a perspective that I don't think we have never and won't ever experience, but a lot of the audience won't ever experience. Yeah. You know, um, your knowledge, your wisdom, your passion is still inside you. We see it, man. So everything you do, and I know, I know you personally, <laughs> so I know that what you're doing right now is just the beginning of what you have planned for the future, man. I hope nothing but the best for you, man. And we're going to be, we're going to be watching you, brother. Man, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate y'all space and give me some time to share a little bit of my story and just connecting with you guys, doing good things for, for people, man. I, I appreciate being a part of that. You want to take us out, man? This is Rodney Green, Justin Gatlin. Uh, tune in to our next episode of Ready, Set, Go. And we out. We out.